we, we need that. If you have that, great. You'll do well here and you'll enjoy working here. If you don't, then maybe the wildlife isn't the place for you. You're always looking for that win, but the secret sauce isn't necessarily in, in just the win. It's trying to embrace and enjoy the journey. And Hi, I'm Steve Duke, and this is the Two Roads Podcast. Today on the show, I have Andy Lee. Andy Lee is the co-founder of The Wildlife. They're a very successful business, and they help people to discover what they're capable of through fitness and training. So in practice, what does that mean? Well, The Wildlife is an online retailer. They sell a massive range of products in the fitness and training space from a lot of world-renowned brands that you would know. So Nike, Adidas, Reebok, as well as their own The Wildlife branded products, which are super popular and you'll often see them in gyms or in people out exercising or just in general life. And and he's been building The Wildlife for 10 years now. They're one of the biggest success stories in Australian e-commerce and the fitness space. Like They really, really kill it. But Andy started his career in a very different area. He studied law before going on to work in corporate finance. But his side passion was always in sports and fitness. And I'm not going to spoil the story for you for how the wildlife started because Andy tells it beautifully during our conversation. But it's 10 years later and he's still all in on the wildlife, loving what he does and having fun every single day. Now, in this episode, you're going to hear about how Andy started the wildlife and how he's grown it over the last 10 years, how he made the decision and when to leave his corporate finance job and go full time on the wildlife, his advice for people who are early on in their career, why he sees value in building hard skills, what he thinks people should look for in an organization if they're considering joining one, and how to get that information out of them before you decide, what he, what he looks for when interviewing people. He also talks about the importance of not feeling the burden to find the perfect job straight away or early on in your career, which I think is pretty comforting for anybody searching for something new right now. The practical thing that he does to manage his health and mindset as a business owner and we also talk about all the lessons that he's learned building the wildlife over the last 10 years. And he's a world-class founder and operator. I can genuinely say that. And he's found a job where he gets to work on his passion and something that he loves every single day. And his advice for people early in their career or considering building their own business or brand is truly excellent, honestly. And if you're interested in learning more about Andy and the wildlife, I would go check them out on socials. Uh, they're building their team over there and they're always looking for talented people to join. Also, if you want more help in building a life that you love, one that you find meaning and purpose in, where you have a job that you genuinely enjoy, then go follow me on socials. On Instagram, you can get me at Two Roads Pod, and then on LinkedIn, just follow my personal account, Steve Duke. But for now, I hope you enjoy my chat with Andy Lee. Let's get into it. Andy, thanks for coming on the show. Great to be here. Excited to, to catch up and, and talk more. Right. How do you um, how do you describe to people what you do now? Yeah, good good question. Uh, in the most simple terms, um, I sell things on the internet. That's uh, how how people identify with that, but. Um, by title, I'm the, the co-founder and director of the wildlife. Um, but what that means in reality is that I'm the, the custodian of the mission, vision and, and values of the wildlife. And, and our goal uh, is to help as many people discover what they're capable of through fitness and training. Um, so I oversee the, the tools um, and the team to help achieve that through the community content and products that we sell as well. 
And so like a lot of people will probably be aware of the wildlife, but for those who aren't, um, what is it that you actually do? Yeah, so we're a multi-brand retailer in fitness and training space. So we work together with brands such as Nike, Reebok, Adidas to sell the the latest and greatest products in in fitness and training. Uh, And then we also have our own brand in the wildlife or or TWL as it's affectionately known. Um, So we have many products spanning uh, across the fitness category from apparel, accessories, equipment, uh, through to shoes as well. So, um, yeah, the, the one-stop shop for everything fitness and training. When you were when you were growing up as a kid, uh, did you ever think that you would, you know, be a business owner, be an entrepreneur? Was that something that you were thinking about or was there something else that you thought that you wanted to be when you grew up? Yeah, I think always as kids we had aspirations and they were pretty simple. A lot of kids where they want to be a fireman or a policeman, um, it's hard to sort of go past being a professional sports star uh, for me. And, and as a kid, just tried to play every sport under the sun, cricket, football, soccer. Um, so it's hard to sort of go past being uh, a professional soccer player or, or football player. Um, traveling the world, hanging out with your mates every day and, and earning some good coin as well. So um, I definitely uh, aspired to, to live a life through through sport there. Um, but then when I realized maybe I, I didn't quite have the athletic talent to achieve the bright lights of the European Champions League, I um, sort of buckled down on, on my studies and um, tried to identify what, what it was I was sort of good at um, and where I might be able to build a bit of a, a career. So as I got a little bit older, um, I definitely gravitated towards uh, business, finance, commerce. Um, that was sort of similar to, to a path um, you know, my, my dad had skills in, so I, I learned a lot from him um, and went down that direction. So, yeah, whether I wasn't playing in the Premier League or, or Champions League, I probably moved towards uh, you know, dreams of working on Wall Street um so yeah moving from from sport into to finances was probably um the change for me there okay hold up one second i'm sorry to have to interrupt this episode but i do want to remind you that if you want more content on how to find a job and a life that you love you can find it on our socials so on instagram go to two roads pod and on linkedin just find my personal account called steve duke and of course these podcasts are released weekly where i interview people and that's extremely helpful for people to get inspiration and hear other people's stories and what how they did it and what they're going through but i also release a ton of other content as well to help you both figure out what it is that you want to do and also how to then make that actually happen so linkedin and instagram at linkedin steve juke just my name and then on instagram you can find us at two roads pod gotcha and so that was like when you came out of university you worked in finance first right yeah that's right that's right so uh probably towards the end of school they they start to say to you hey um what are you going to be what are you going to be uh doing with your career and and as a 15, 16-year-old kid, it's not necessarily your, um, your, the big thing that you're, you're focusing on at that point in time. You're navigating, uh, you know, being a teenager and, and, and making friends and, and exploring life a little bit as well. So you're not really thinking that 
geez, I've got to make a call here for what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So, I mean, my parents were pretty instrumental in, in helping me find that, um, you know, whether I was doing uh, tests and questionnaires to see what I liked, what I didn't like, what I may be good at, what I might have an aptitude for. And, and my school was really good as well with career guidance counselling and um, trying to identify, um, yeah, what I was good at and what I might be leaning into. So that was really cool. Um, I sort of started to, to move towards accounting, economics, uh, law, towards the back end of my schooling um, and then was lucky enough to, to do well enough at school to get into uh, a double degree of, of law and commerce. So um, never thought I'd be pursuing a career in the law, but um, what was always sort of told to me uh, was that, you know, get a skill or a trade or something that that's transferable and that you can work in any industry and that won't sort of go out of fashion. So, yeah, dug into to a fair few years of university study to try and set me up for a bit of a career there. Do you think that's good advice, that like to have kind of a trade or like a tangible skill? Do you think that like still holds true? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my, my dad always sort of said, look, in this trade, it doesn't matter what you like. Um, you can always go and work for, you know, I could, I could go and work for Manchester United being there, uh, you know, in the, in the finance team or um, with a skill, you can always go into an industry that you're passionate about. So that was something that sort of rung true to me there. You didn't necessarily have to work in, in an accounting firm um and just count beans all day you could go and work in any business that you really wanted to so yeah that's always been um probably a bit of a safe bet uh and those skills i still have today in, in what i'm doing so very grateful that i was guided in that way it wasn't necessarily easy um and you didn't necessarily see the value in it at the time but i think it's worked out pretty well for me for sure um and i'd say so what was that story then from you kind of studying this dual degree in university? Then did you come out and like straight away get a job in, in finance or like what was that kind of path where you were kind of developing this like hard skill set of being, you know, able to work in finance? Yeah. So I'm, I've uh, learned that I'm never one to uh, sort of hold back. If there's something I want to do, I, I definitely lean into it. Um, I was, pretty young at school. So I finished school when I was 17, where a lot of my mates were 18. So went straight into university. Um, the course was six and a half years, um, got through that. And towards the end of my studies, I was lucky enough to get a position with, with PwC. Um, I had lots of sort of part-time jobs throughout. I always maintained a job, uh, whether it was selling footy records at the, the AFL or, or working at a department store selling $20,000 TVs at the time um, when Plasmas first came out. Um, still had a job throughout, um, which was, again, something that my parents instilled in me to sort of make your way and, and to learn skills throughout while you are uh, studying. So basically towards the end of my degree, lined up a, a job and then went straight into it. So there was no gap year. There was no finding myself. There was no year of travel to try and see what I'm good at. I was just so determined to to get in there and get after it. Um, so that hasn't really, really stopped. Um, so, yeah, there, there is that sort of uh, 
pointy end of, of your studies where you're thinking, okay, what am I going to do with this? Um, and you sort of gravitate towards what you like, what you're good at, um, and where you could potentially see yourself working. Um, and at that time, uh, being from Adelaide in in Australia, the, the big opportunities were, were working for these global firms that had tons of opportunity, or at least that was sort of what was sold to you there. So again, getting a really good skill and then working for a, a strong, um, you know, branded business that's known globally so that when people see that on your resume, they go, okay, right, this guy's uh, must be half decent if he's, if he's working there. So again, get, get the skills, then try and work for a business um, where you can acquire more skills um, and that's sort of known that creates opportunities from you for there. Is that the advice that you would give to like young people who are say like coming towards the end of university today? Yeah, look, I think it's a pretty safe bet that it's definitely changed in the um, many years since I've uh, been finished out of university. But I think that the key thing is that don't try and find, you don't feel the burden of trying to find the perfect job straight out of university. Remember, you're still at the start of your your career, utilise that time as uh, learning and try and find a job where you can learn the most. Yes, you might not be making the most amount of money, but it's that learning in the early stage which I believe will set you up for future success. So learning as much as you can in a, in a good organisation where you sort of believe in the, the mission of, of what they're trying to do um, and trying to work with as many good people as possible. Uh, that's definitely one of the things that I found working at PwC was the calibre of the people and the the level of professionalism and deliverables was very high. So I still keep that in, in everything that I do. Um, I'll, I'll never forget one of the early jobs I did was just have to write client emails and they used to print them out and write uh-huh. Strike red pen all through my my emails. I'm thinking this is just an email going to a, a client. Like, why is it so serious? But knowing and understanding that why they did that back then, um, I think it's put me in really good stead. So it's a simple thing like that where you don't necessarily realise it at the time, but yeah, go somewhere where you can learn the most from the best possible people. And then start to get a bit of a feel for for the professional environment and, and what direction you're sort of gravitating to from there. I really like that as a piece of advice, um, kind of idea of you can call it whatever you want, but kind of learn before you earn, because like the value that you get from learning, especially early stages in your career, is just like just creates so many more opportunities for you a few years down the line. Um, well, I'm interested. Do you have any ideas? for how to assess whether an organization is a good place to learn and whether, you know, you're going to be surrounded by quality people. Because I think one way might be, okay, if they have a globally renowned brand, then that's like a shortcut. So it's a pretty good bet that you're going to be in with good people, but not guaranteed. But I think it can be hard. like when you go through the interview process, so you're only meeting like a couple of people they're obviously putting their best foot forward. They're going to tell you, promise you the sun, moon and stars. But like, how can you actually get a sense for, hey, is this somewhere where I'm going to be able to learn a ton and am I going to be surrounded by good people? Because if you can get both of those things, I agree that the rewards are massive, but it's sometimes hard to actually assess that. For sure. Yeah, it's 
it is super tough. And, and now being on the other um, other side where I've got a business and I'm also trying to hire talent and it's hard when you are relatively small in terms of headcount compared to these large global organisations, how do you really try and showcase that? So I'm very conscious of that for sure. Um, I think a lot of it is just trying to be as prepared as, as you possibly can So learn about the organisation, you know, read their story, uh, learn about the founders and their story. And and that's something that I try and uh, do things like this, um, whether it's LinkedIn or try and share my story as much as possible so that anyone that comes to work for us knows my background, how we came to be and who they're working for. I think that's really, really important. Um, So as you go through the process, whether you work looking to work for a big company, I would ask questions like, you know, who are who are the founders? Who are the people driving this? And, and what's their vision? Um, and how is my role going to contribute to that? And who will I be working with on, on a day-to-day? Can I, can I meet them? Um, you know, what does success look like in this role? And how do you, how do you help me achieve that? There were some sort of questions that I would be asking as a candidate looking for the right fit. And it is, it is tough. Um, try and actually get time with, with those people who are, you're going to spend a lot of your time with in that, in that position, whether it's the founders or the direct managers. Um, and don't necessarily do it within the, the four walls, whether you have a coffee with them prior to starting as well. Um, I think they're all sort of valuable things, but, um, yeah, it can be challenging as well. I remember taking a job once and it was a bit of a risk. For me, I was moving cities at the time and and the person who hired me, I remember starting day one and he goes, now, I've got some bad news. I've actually taken another job. So I'd invested in this guy and, and what he was looking to do. Um, but day one, he basically said, I'm, I'm going to be moving on. So that was a bit of a curveball for me in that I thought I'd done all the right things, but I was still obviously confident in the, the organisation um, and what my job was going to be that, yeah, it worked out well in the end. Um, but, yeah, it's not – I understand through the process as well, it's not just about us as a business trying to find the right candidate. It's also about the candidate learning about us and we try and I try and do the best possible job there so that they feel like they know what they're coming into and, and what it looks like. Um, it's always difficult, but doing some research, getting to know the people and sort of peeling back the curtain a little bit to learn a bit more, um, I think, is, is super important when you're going for any any job or looking for a, your next move. Yeah, I completely agree. And I especially like that advice about trying to meet as many people, spend time with them, but trying to do it, you know, outside of the four walls or outside of like a kind of interview style format because I think you just get to know people a lot better. Like if you have a coffee with them, if you have a beer with them, have lunch with them, they kind of – yeah, they're more likely to actually behave like they will be when you're actually working with them, as opposed to if you're sitting across the desk from them in an interview. Like it's, it's a bit of a kind of unreal situation, I guess. Um, and they're very good. like people, you know, even with the best intentions, like they're trying to sell you, right? If they want to hire you, like they're trying to sell you on it. Absolutely, they're on their best behavior. Exactly, exactly, and they're they're going to tell you like what you want to hear, right? Um, okay, so I want to. Like I've heard you on podcasts, I like, talk about the story of like starting um, the wildlife, and it's I think it's a really cool story because 
um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't that you like, you know, you sat down and you had this massive vision from day one and you're like, okay, this is, I want to build this massive brand that does all these things. It actually came from more like solving a personal need, right? Where you wanted to, um, but there was these skipping ropes, right? That you wanted to, to have and you couldn't get them. So you're like, right, I'm going to order in a bunch of them, sell them to my mates in the gym. And then it kind of like snowballed from there. Is that kind of, uh, I'm butchering the story. I don't tell it as good as you. No, you've done your research there, Stephen. That's that's good. Uh, yeah, so happy happy to share. And, and it's quite ironic, the fact that I come from a business, finance, commerce, legal background um, and me starting a business, I had no business plan, nothing that was specifically structured. So there's probably something in that. Um, but, yeah, it was never the idea that this was supposed to be a business it was never supposed to be that it in 2023 um i'm crossing over into the 10th year of business so it was never meant to be this way and it really just evolved from as you said that personal need and it was more passion than than anything uh at the time i was, I was working out i was at a, at a crossfit gym in, in melbourne and one of the things that i, I wanted to help um, with my workouts was a super fast jump rope. Um, you're trying to set the, the fastest times and, and beat all your mates in the gym as well. Um, so myself and uh, my co-founder, Ben, who was an old school friend of mine, um, we still sort of connected over, over fitness and, and training as I'd go back to the hometown of Adelaide. And we both wanted this, this jump rope. Um, so reached out to the company. They were based in the US. They wouldn't ship to Australia. They didn't really have a sophisticated e-commerce set up back then in, in 2013. So reached out to them, trying to get one. Look, can you send it to Australia? No, I can't. Um, okay, well, well, what do I need to do to, to get access to this? I really, really want it. And they said, well, you have to set up a wholesale account. You have to set up as a business and then we'll, we'll ship them to you. Okay, right. That's. Uh, let me come back to you there. How much is that going? How many do I need to buy? I think it was thirty or fifty ropes. Um, so went back, uh, talked about it with, with Ben, um, my co-founder, and we sort of said, "Yeah, let's let's do it." So I think we we sort of threw five hundred bucks in each for about a thousand dollars, and um, you know, claimed we we had a business and basically just bought bought the ropes, uh, got them uh, at home. Um, I was working at corporate in a corporate finance job at the time and, and Ben was in a professional job back in Adelaide as well. So we basically split the ropes 50-50, sold them to our friends at the gym. Um, we got a rope out of it as well. I think we didn't have to pay because we, we just covered our costs there and sort of high-fived and um, everyone thought that we were legends in the gym because they got access to this product that no one else had access to. Um, we thought we were going to get faster, but then everyone else got faster in their workouts as well. So yeah, we, we just sort of went on our, our way there and, and didn't think too much of it. Um, but pretty soon after, people were um, loving loving their ropes and they were, well, what else can you get? What else can you get? We were sort of like the, the gatekeepers in the gym there of just trying to access cool gear from, from overseas um, and what people weren't able to get locally. So, yeah, it all spawned from there. And as I said, there was never a laid-out business plan there was never, um, you know, an equity raise. There was never um, a five, ten-year goal. We we didn't step that all through. We didn't have 
um, meetings about what was going to happen and what my role was going to be and what Ben's role was going to be. We were just two guys passionate about this. Um, people were asking us for, for stuff. Um, so we just formalised that. Um, wasn't a, a partnership agreement or anything. I just asked my mate who um, was a branch manager at a local um, bank, can you set up a, an account for us? Um, it was under my name um, as a sole trader, so didn't even think that through, um, despite my knowledge of legal structures and the benefits of a partnership in a company structure. and um, Didn't even think about it. Um, just just went ahead. So, yeah, it just started from a passion. It started from a need and just built from there. And at, at no point did we ever, ever sort of fathom that it would be what it is today and, and the journey that we would have gone through. So um, leaning into that passion, uh, it, it's quite interesting what, what might come of it down the line. And how big is it today? What's the best way to get a sense of uh, scale of the brand? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the team is probably one one good measure of that. Um, so we have about 30 to 40 people uh, among the team um, in different areas of division, such as marketing, product, operations, finance, et cetera. So we're, we're super proud of the team that we've been able to build to, to help Ben and I on our mission um, of helping Athletes discover what they're capable of through fitness and training. So that's that's really, really good. Um, the, the brands that we work with as well um, are, are a sign of our sort of size in that Nike, for example, isn't just going down handing out contracts to brands um, and to businesses to, to retail their products. They basically just don't exist anymore. Um, and then if you're looking at, our customers, we've got hundreds of thousands of customers that we're, we're reaching each year through through ordering our product online. So, yeah, pretty cool to see um, going from what started out in Ben's bedroom, uh, you know, taking the, the products up to the post office in his lunch break um, and sort of moonlighting, creating a website in the, uh, the late hours of the night and early hours of the morning to, to what we have now with our, our team the brands and partners we work with and the amount of customers and the community around us is uh, super cool. Mm. And so I've talked to a few people on this show who kind of would have started off in a similar manner, like as a side hustle, like they've got a, you know, quote unquote real job. Um, they're working that nine to five and then they're doing this on the side, evenings, weekends, that kind of thing. At some point there comes a decision to make, which is, do I go full time on this? When, did that question start to crop up for you and how did you make that decision? Yeah, again, good good question, Stephen. Uh, it wasn't necessarily something that I made a decision on. Uh, the decision was almost made, made for me. Uh, so one of the pivotal moments in, in the wildlife's journey was actually when I had the opportunity to move across to the US Um partner at the time uh, and I made the call, hey, we wanted to go to the US to pursue our careers. Um, so actually headed across to the US with two suitcases. One suitcase was full of suits to get a corporate job over there and the, the other suitcase was my worldly possessions that I'd collected. Um, so landed over there and, and was going for interviews, um, was turning up in a suit Um and the jobs that they were trying to get me to do, I was just, I, I'm 
I'm better than this. This isn't something that I necessarily want to do. Um, and then in the meantime, in between all of these interviews, the wildlife was was growing. Um, I was spending time building the, the brand, building the business, doing everything from, from customer service to setting up products. Um, and being in the US as well, had the opportunity to go to events, to meet brands. Um, and every waking moment outside of sort of getting set up in the, in the US and looking for jobs, I was, was building the, the wildlife in, in the US. And then Ben back home was, was doing his part in terms of um, going to events locally, shipping things out of his, his bedroom, getting the products in, helping getting stuff up online. So it just kept growing and growing and growing. Um, basically to a stage where it was so hard not to to keep doing it. And the the pivotal moment for Ben and I was our web designer at the time, a guy from Australia who helped us out with, with some of our Shopify website stuff. He just sort of said to us, hey, guys, you need to enter this business competition. Shopify are holding this competition. It's called Build a Business. You guys should enter it. And we just sort of thought, well, how, how are we ever going to win a competition? We're just sort of two guys from little old Adelaide, Australia, shipping products out of a bedroom. And he goes, no, nah, look, crazy things have happened, guys. So we entered it, thought nothing about it, um, put our name in the, in the hat, and it was basically a competition for the fastest-growing businesses on the Shopify platform. So I think it went for six months or so, and then every now and then you get an update. So for the first few months, didn't hear anything. And then all of a sudden, we were on this leaderboard. Um, we we're in, in this top 10 leaderboard. So saying, okay, wow, like we're, we're eight out of 10, top 10. This is, this is crazy. We, you know, we might even have a chance here. So the competitive sort of edge kicked in. And then, all right, we're, we're on to something here. Um, let's keep going. And then sort of max out the credit cards even more. And then, okay, next month we were sixth. And then the month after that, we were third. We're just thinking, wow, okay, if we keep going like this, we're, we're going to win this competition. This is crazy. So we basically poured everything that we had, maxed out the credit cards every waking moment into this. Um, and I ended up, they shut down the leaderboard for the last month, ended up, I came back to Australia for a few months each, uh, each year and got a call from Shopify and they sort of said, hey, Andy, it's uh, Courtney from Shopify. I'll never forget this this call because it's probably a, a life-changing moment. And I just basically said, like, get get the heck out because I knew what she was calling about. Um, and she said, yeah, you, the wildlife's won the Build-A-Business competition. Um, and that for us was, was massive, not only because, yes, there was a $50,000 US dollar check, um, that we, we won, which later paid our BAS bill, which we never thought we'd be hitting the the BAS levels. So that sort of got us out of trouble there. Um, but really that moment sort of crystallised to me, we're on to something, um, we, we need to go hard at this. And for two guys, both Ben and myself, who had professional jobs, who went to university, e-commerce was still in the infant stages, you know, we had people going, what, what is this that you're doing? What, why aren't you practising law? Or to Ben as well, like, when are you, you going to get a real job? Um, people used to say to him. So 
for us, this was the moment where we go, look, this is what we've been working on and I think we might be onto something here. So we definitely threw caution to the wind and then lent into that uh, pretty heavily from there. So that was the probably the, the early moment that really changed it before Ben was was working full time, uh, working full time, doing this in his lunch breaks before and after work, and I was doing it basically full time and then some in between looking for jobs. So after that moment, we sort of threw threw caution to the wind and then went into it. So that was a, a pretty cool moment for us looking back on that. And when you were having these conversations with people and they're like, you know, would you not like why aren't you practicing law or you know, to your co-founders, like, when would you get a real job? Did you ever give pause to those questions or were you just like looking at the business and going, this isn't like, this is a no brainer. Like, this is what I want to do. And was it easy for you to kind of like shut out those kind of doubts and questions or were they things that at times you're like, Oh geez, may- maybe they're right. Maybe I should just go and do that thing. Um, not funnily enough, not, re- not really. I think Ben and I were both, passionate about what we were doing it was never a a case of thinking that we had to establish a a business and a structure and create an income um, for ourselves I think first and foremost we were just passionate about what we were doing and we saw the growth on a daily basis and for us it was just it was just wild when we got our first sale or um yeah, when we sold out of certain products or there were certain moments there which we fe- which we felt, you know, we're, we're on to something here and it doesn't necessarily ma- matter what other people think. And we weren't thinking five, ten years ahead. We were just thinking the next day. Um, the next day, one foot in front of the other, what do we need to do here? And I personally always felt, hey, well, I can always fall back on whatever I've done, this is just a moment in time where there's an opportunity in front of us that I'm trying to crystallise and it's something that I'm passionate about and I've probably never worked this hard or this long at anything. So I'm just going to go head into it and, and see what we can do. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to, to look back on that, that we definitely navigated those, those early days and we've been able to create not only a opportunity for us but everyone that we we work for uh we work with and um we sort of say that we work for one our customers but to our team as well to create more opportunities for them in their career so pretty cool what's what's come of it yeah for sure i um i'm just thinking there when you're talking about having something that you could fall back on if you needed to i guess that's another benefit of having that hard skill right is that if you've done it you know like there's loads of jobs out there for you. And even if this all goes tits up, like you will be able to get a job. And and there's a lot of comfort in that. And I think it allows you to take probably a bit more risk, uh, which I think is pretty cool. Um, So I would imagine that your job, like what your day-to-day looks like has changed massively over those 10 years, right? If you start off, you know, it's super tactical. It's day-to-day. Um, you're just trying to get orders out and now I imagine it's quite different. Do you think of those 10 years in any 
distinct like chapters where they was like, okay, it was pretty similar for the first two years. And then next three years were different. And the last five have been kind of pretty similar. Like, can you chunk it up into chapters like that? Or is it just more so one big continuum where it gets a little bit different every day? And then you look back 10 years later and you're like, wow, what I'm doing is just completely different to what I was doing right at the start. Yeah, I think for some people, yes, there might be different phases of business. It's definitely been a roller coaster over over 10 years. Um, has my role changed? Yes and no. There's still an element of the day-to-day in there and um, myself and Ben are still actively involved as founders in the business, sort of first one in, last one out every day and we're, we're working on it every waking waking moment. We definitely haven't lost that, that passion and the, the drive to to keep the vision moving forward. So even though we are, we have sort of 10 years on the CV, we're still sort of day one type guys, roll our sleeve up. Um, you know, Ben's still on the stand there at, at events, serving customers and um, we're, we're still in there, whether it's designing product or speaking with brands and partners, it's it still has that feel of, of the day one. And I don't think we ever necessarily want to lose that because that's something that we, we're passionate about and we, and we love. Uh, of course, the size of things that you work on changes um, and we, of course, have to craft the, the vision for the future, whether that's six months, 12 months, five years or, or 10 years. We're, we're working a lot on that um, and it's less about maybe us getting the order in and, and packing it and sending, slapping the, the shipping label off to the customer um, but it's about getting the right people in and making sure they have the tools to succeed and, and coaching and, and leading them as best we can um, and then continue to, to try and make the best possible experience for our for our customers and for our community. So it's still pretty similar to, to day one. Um, the business does go through phases. Uh, we've, we've sort of been bootstrapped from, from day one, so we still have that mindset and that mentality within the business. Um, but whether it's those sort of early days where it's just Ben and I um, working on things, um, when we got our first employee there to help us pack some orders and, and she took um, the product up to the, the local post office, um, then we were lucky enough to, to graduate into um, a room at a friend's gym. Um, so it's almost like the physical representation of the business is, is a different phase and it sort of shows the, the growth there as well. So going from a bedroom to a room at a gym to our first warehouse to two warehouses in the same block to the warehouse we're in now, they're all different phases. Um, and the people that are with us during those phases as well, we're lucky enough to have uh, still some people from the early days with us, which is which is awesome. Um, I know being being in the US as well was was big and, and able to create partnerships with, with many brands that we're still with today. Um, and then getting new brands on when we, you know, signed contracts with with Nike or Reebok or big international brands, they're they're massive moments for us. And yeah, they're they're big at the time. But looking back on that and the change that our business goes through. Um, yeah, there's some some pretty amazing moments for us, but it's really sort of defined by the team um, and sort of nothing nothing without them. And uh, we're pretty humbled what we've been able to achieve 
with them and, and they really sort of define the the phases or the the stages that we go through. Yeah, right. There might be people, I'm sure there's people who's who are listening to this um, who would think that they might love to have a job like you, right, to have founded their own brand, whether it's e-commerce or, or something, you know, perhaps a bit different. Um, but I think like a big thing about trying to figure out what career or path you want to go down is not just like the big vision or the title or whatever else, but it's like, what does the day-to-day look like? Because ultimately that's where you're going to spend your time. So I'd love to get a sense of what your day looks like. Um, and not just necessarily the work day, because I think it's, you know, a big question for people is like the lifestyle that they're able to sustain, not just what they're going to be doing when they're actually at work. Because there's a big difference whether you're working nine to five or, you know, seven to seven. Um, so I'd love to get a sense of what does a typical day look like for you? Can you kind of walk me through that in kind of as much detail as possible so that people can get a sense like, right, if I was to go down this path and it all worked out and I got to a place like where Andy is, this is what my life would look like. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely not what it looks like on LinkedIn or, or social media with the, the waking up um, at part of the 5am club and, and meditating, going for a cold plunge, writing in your gratitude journal. Um, it's it's not necessarily like that. Yes, you probably could do that, but it, is that the reality? No, it's not. Um, it's sort of waking up um, to an alarm and the first thing is always for good, for better or for worse, is, is sort of checking the emails as to what's come through o- overnight, um, what's happening, being an online business, working with people all around the world, it, it doesn't stop. Um, so you've sort of got to be on top of that and, and what's sort of happening. Um, that allows to sort of set a few key goals for the day and a few things that you, you need to achieve. Um, so... I like to actually, one thing I've started doing in the, in the past uh, sort of year is is getting up and getting a coffee and going for a walk uh, in the morning so that, and that's with, originally I would, I would listen to a podcast or listen to an audio book, but um, what I found was that it's actually the best opportunity for me not to listen to anything, just to sort of be with my my thoughts and um, help me catalogue what's going on in my head, what I need to achieve and sort of solve problems. Um, running's always really good for that uh, as well. But in the morning, just a, a nice strong long back coffee, hopefully some sunshine and um, an hour sort of with myself before getting into the office there. I always find that that's very, very valuable and you can sort of uh, – have a misstep there and just going straight into work straight away but I feel like that really sets the intention for the day gives me clarity and, and gratitude as as well um, so one thing probably note is that when you get when you have your own business you kind of set the dress code so I always thought I'd wear a suit uh, to work for the rest of uh, my life but now it's it's basically only special occasions and you know the, the weddings of the world um, so that's one benefit of being a founder. I actually get to wear what I what I want to wear, um, which is a perk. Um, but so getting into the office there, um, lucky enough to, to have an office and sort of run through the, the daily metrics, check the sales, what are the metrics looking like, how are we tracking. Um, it's those daily goals that stack up to, to bigger goals as well. 
uh, try and tackle a few of the, the key priorities, um, you know, whether that's around the team or hiring or helping the product team or a few key initiatives internally, um, trying to knock over a few of those things in the day um, as well. So, yeah, look, not every day is uh, the same, but it, it is the same in a sense that I'm a big believer in, in routine and following patterns to compound and to achieve results. Definitely in e-commerce, it's it's not all uh, hockey stick growth. It's just that pressure over time. Um, as someone once says, it's the blocking and tackling every day, which you don't necessarily see the growth there, but you'll see it over time. So, yeah, the, the day um, as a founder, you find yourself in, in lots of meetings, um, probably limited amount of time to be able to to work on on things outside of that. It's it's helping the team and, and driving the business forward. There, where I do get my own time, might be later in the day before or after work to really work on those bigger projects. Um, you know, when the when the team's gone and the, the office is a bit quieter, that's sort of an opportunity for that. And then um, at the end of the day, do you just work all the time? Like, are you like flat out pretty much? Yeah, yeah. It's it's nonstop. It's definitely relentless. Um, so it's. How do I, you know, balance that out as well? Um, obviously, fitness and training is a big, big part of my life, and I love to to train of an evening, sort of empty the empty the batteries there a little bit for the day. Um, it's a good way to sort of finish. I know a lot of people love to train in the morning; it energizes them. Um, I prefer to go for a walk in the morning um, and then train at night, so that by by the evening. Um, I feel like I've, I've done everything I possibly can to, to help my team, to help the business, to help myself as well. So more of a, an evening trainer there. And then I sort of get down to uh, get to, to sit down to, to dinner with my, my partner, which is enjoyable as well. Mm. I've noticed um, you talk like a lot about your team and helping them to do their work and giving them credit for kind of a lot of the stuff that the wildlife has achieved like where where does all that come from yeah i think um whether it's initially with with sports um a lot of businesses will talk about being a family um and ben and i always think that's pretty cheesy uh but our analogy for better or for worse is is quite often around a, a sports team um and that mentality there in that we have a goal that we're looking to achieve which is you know winning the premiership or the championship um, and what that looks like we we train in terms of crafting our skills uh, testing things learning from that and then we go out and, and perform on on game day whether that's sale or a product launch or a partnership or an event so um as as I, you could probably tell from my early childhood goals of, of wanting to be a sports star, I actually take a lot of that into the daily. Um, I've always loved playing team sports, the camaraderie that that brings, uh, achieving things together. I think it would be a pretty lonely journey if it was just myself as a solo founder or it would be just Ben and I in a room. We love the fact that we, we have people sharing this journey with us and it's a journey it's that's one of the things i always struggle um in being so driven and uh competitive as well you're always looking for that win 
Um, but the secret sauce isn't necessarily in, in just the win. It's trying to embrace and enjoy the journey and, and doing that with people that you enjoy doing that with. That's probably one of the benefits of a founder. You try and get to craft a team who you enjoy working with rather than just needing people to, to do a job. So, yeah, that, that team analogy is, is weaved through everything that we do and we definitely know that we, we couldn't be anywhere near where we are without the contributions of the team and, and what people, um, you know, deliver for us. And, and both Ben and I are amazingly humbled by that and we get energised and motivated by seeing the team win, seeing the team enjoy the successes and, and seeing them galvanise and, and work together. So we believe that that's really our job as founders isn't to get in there and to do the work. It's to try and find the right people to join the team, try and give them the tools and the guidance and then let them let them run at it. Um, so, yeah, sporting analogies I think always work pretty well whether certain people resonate with them or not but that's that's one that sort of sticks with with both ben and i through our journey and when you're trying to build this team when you're looking at hiring people what are some of the traits that you look for that are not typical like they're they're a bit maybe unique to you or people might be surprised when they hear yeah it's probably the most challenging thing as a founder is to build a team and we're constantly learning about team makeup what that looks like initially you just want someone in you know a, a bum in a seat um right you uh we need you to pack this order put this in a bag and then send it off but over time it becomes a lot more than that um as you go from one to two to four it's not just that one person and the connection that they have it's all of these micro connections that everyone has so one it's how's everyone going to get along you don't we've learned that you don't just want to hire one robots or, or two everyone that thinks the same or is the same or does the same thing you've got to have a blend in that so where the team comes together it's this sort of perfect harmony and people are contributing in different ways uh it's not we don't we wouldn't want to hire everyone that necessarily think thought like ben and i Ben and I are very different as as founders and we bring different skills and different mindsets to to the role as well. So we try and find people that look at problems uh, differently, who bring something else to the table. But the one skill that sort of uh, shines through is that um, we say resourcefulness. So doing as much as you can with, with not a lot. And we think that if people have that mindset, they're going to succeed with us and, and in e-commerce because resources are always scarce, whether it's time or budget. So if you're resourceful, you'll always find a way. And we want people that will find a way. And we feel like Ben and I have found a way and constantly finding a way to, to achieve things. So resourcefulness is is probably the biggest trait that we we look for. And yeah, it's hard to necessarily have that if you're starting a career in, in marketing or you're doing maybe a process-driven job, but that's a skill over and above everything else that we, we try and look for uh, within within all the team members because then we know that, that they'll succeed um, and they'll enjoy what they're doing as well. And do you have any good ways to test for that? 
Yeah, there's no sort of McKinsey playbook there where they had a lot of the, if you're going for a job in management consulting, they had all of these weird tests to um, see how people responded. There's there's nothing really um, that we can necessarily ask. Um, of course, you can you can read books on on hiring and and the best process for that. Um, we continue to to learn and craft that, and we don't always get that right. But we just try and learn more about the individual and and what they're looking to achieve as well, and the questions they're asking us, not just what we're asking them in in the process. Try and get a roadmap as to what their career's been, how they've arrived at that point as well and where they want to get to and if there's a, a story that can be told through that and I think if you can see that story and what they're looking to achieve, you can you can sort of determine that resourcefulness. Um, again, you don't necessarily know until someone's in, in the seat and how are they going to react with different people uh, in, in the team but... We, we try and communicate that up front as well, saying that that's a skill that we really value and how we, we need that for anyone that sort of joins the team. And if you have that approach, great. You'll, you'll do well here and you'll enjoy working here. Uh, if you don't, then that's okay. Maybe maybe the wildlife isn't necessarily the, the place for you. So it's a tough thing to hire for because it's really just uh, – how you see someone react under pressure is whether they're resourceful or not, but getting to know them, their journey, where they've been, what they're looking to do, where they're looking to go and how we can help facilitate that and then what they see the role in the business as well, getting them to try and understand that um, and get their head around that and and what challenges they might see in the role and, and how we can help them there. Is, is sort of the best way that we, we try and do that, but it's it's definitely not easy. I've got this um, question, which is a bit off topic, but it's been on my mind uh, for a while to ask you, um, and it's about what you've learned about building a brand over the past 10 years because from my outside perspective, it's one of the greatest strengths of the wildlife. Like I can see that you've got very, very strong brand community around that um, and I think that's that's super important right for any business but I think I think especially in e-commerce right because you need to you need to stand out I mean you need to have a reason for people to come back and keep purchasing off you but you know what are kind of the things that you've learned over those 10 years about building a brand that might have surprised you yeah appreciate the kind words uh we always feel like we've got a long way to go in, in building that and there's so many things that we can do better and, and more of but one of the biggest things is remaining authentic and true to who you are and what you your, you want your brand to be um, and arguably your brand can be in the eye of the beholder there but we're very lucky to have a community centred around the brand, um, a community of people who are uh, living the lifestyle of fitness and training and they are sort of our north star and our guiding light and one of the things I, I always say about whether it's e-commerce or running a brand is that um, it's a very honest 
very honest thing to pursue in that if your community or customer doesn't believe in what you're doing or you're doing the wrong wrong thing, they'll tell you straight away. You'll be able to see things very, very quickly, whether that's engagement on social media, orders, there's sort of a headline and other metrics that you can see. But when you are a brand, you'll, you'll get a pulse on how people are perceiving you pretty, pretty quickly. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be in person. So that keeps us very driven and focused and, and honest in that we know we have to serve the customer and the community rather than being a brand for, for Ben and I. So we've had to remain very authentic to that. It's our name on the door, so we don't want to do anything that um, potentially jeopardises that as well. So that honesty and that authenticity is is very important to, to keep, um, whether that's, you know, the, your first day in business or your 10th or 50th year in business, being, being true to that. Um, we can always do a better job of uh, positioning the brand and communicating our vision, mission and values, and, and that's something that Ben and I are always looking to craft. Um, I think now that people not ne- necessarily want to know the brand, they, they need to believe in it. If they're wearing the wildlife or Tedero on their chest, they have to believe in what we're doing. So we constantly need to keep working on that um, and, and get them fired up about, you know, representing the brand as well. So, yeah, being being authentic, telling our story, um, trying to communicate that as best we can. So opportunities like this to let people peer behind the curtain a little bit and see who's behind the brand and, and the um, work and the emotion and the effort that we put into that to try and see other people appreciate it as well. Yeah, I, it's so true. Um, and I think, I mean, you obviously understand this deeply, but when you think of a brand, it's really all about like how it makes you feel. And when I think about when I'm going to work out, like I I love putting on kit that makes me feel like an athlete, that makes me feel that I can go harder. Myself, my brother always talk about this. You know, if we're going in to do a hard workout, he'll put on his Jimmy Butler uh, jersey. I'll put on my LeBron jersey. And like, it sounds funny or cheesy or whatever else, but you're like, you, you get that little bit of extra um from that and it feels something whereas like sure you could get a you know a no brand no name pc kit and like it'll do the exact same job exact same job but like it's that difference like emotionally about how you feel when you're walking into the gym and like that's not trivial that actually makes a big difference um to people absolutely i've got uh, two more questions uh, before we finish up um so the first one is do you feel like you have a, a sense of purpose in life? Yeah, I, I, I think I do. What is it? Yeah, my, my purpose is to help as many people discover what they're capable of uh, through fitness and training. And the vehicle that I can do that is through the wildlife. So um, I actually did a, um, it was called an old MBA uh, a few years ago where it really went deep into this. And they tried to test me to, it was sort of under, under Seth Godin, there was a um, bit of a marketing guru for many. Um, 
is great, a different way of looking at things as well. So that really challenged me. Um, but the one thing as a founder is it's always really quite hard um, distancing yourself between yourself and, and your business. Um, so I get a lot of purpose and passion through the wildlife um, and being able to do that every day, uh, you know, very, very grateful. Um, the concept that I, I try and share that I learnt of um, is sort of called ikigai. Not sure if you've, you've heard that, but it's, you know, the old Japanese concept about, you know, finding something what you love and then what you can be paid for, what you're good at and, and what the world needs as well. And then the intersection of those four uh, concepts is Eureka Guy. So I sort of feel that every job that I've done, everything that I've learned um, is really sort of come together and I'm able to embody that through the wildlife. It's something that I'm very passionate about, very driven, um, and I love being able to do every day. I probably don't get to appreciate it as much, but it's moments like this where I get to talk about it that, you know, actually, um, you know, pretty pretty lucky to be able to do what I do every day. So while some people detach their, their purpose from their business, I think because myself and Ben are so embodied within our business, our sort of passion um, is very much aligned with that. I think the the Ikigai concept is um, is great, and for anybody who hasn't, you know, heard of it or checked it out before, I would recommend going and checking it out. If there's somebody who you know maybe has heard about the concept, they know about it, but they feel like they're not they're not yet at that core, right? They're not doing the thing where that ticks all of those boxes, um, or maybe they don't even know what that thing is yet. Is there anything that you'd say to them? to help them move on that journey towards finding something? For sure. It's uh, just not always feeling like the position that you're in is the, the end position that you're going to be in. Um, some people look at jobs as a means to an end or an end to a means, um, but maybe if you don't feel like you're in the, the perfect job or career for you, it's um trying to surround yourself with other things that you're passionate about as well and and seeking for fulfillment you don't necessarily have to be super passionate about your job um you can still do it to a professional level but you can seek passion in other areas which gives you fulfillment um that would be my sort of first recommendation and that's through sort of discovery as well the old uh get a piece of paper out and write down things that you like, things that you're good at, and seeing if there's any alignment there is also you know, a pretty simple way to go at it. But um, even when I was in, in corporate finance and I, I loved fitness and training, I was trying to get more involved in that. Um, so I, I sought that out. I, I started writing and, and working in, in media around, around CrossFit um, because I wasn't necessarily super passionate about the job I had at the time or it wasn't filling my cup up to a, a level that I really wanted. So it was doing things outside of that where I could get passion from um, and just keep moving towards that as well. Understand what your passions are and, and also understand that they may change over time and, and your focuses may change. Things that you get value from may change over time. Um, but also 
knowing that at one point in time in your life you wanted what you have at this moment you've worked towards that you've take made decisions with that in mind and understanding that that always changes i think coming back to that goes oh wow yeah i actually did want the house i'm in the car i'm driving the friends i have the partner i have the job i i'm in so at some point in time i wanted this so it's it's kind of seeking comfort in that but then always looking for ways to to top up the, the passion bucket as well and and of course if you can get all of that to intersect it's pretty rare um but you know it's amazing if you can but it doesn't necessarily always have to be in balance yeah i think it's a great piece of advice andy thanks a million for for coming on having a chat with me um i know you're a super busy dude so i really appreciate it um i loved hearing the story i loved hearing the lessons that you've learned over the past 10 years because i think what you've built with the wildlife is i'm not just saying this uh blowing smoke up your hole but like it's genuinely super impressive um and i think um you know from the outside in you live a pretty cool life so i loved hearing a bit more about that and uh yeah thank you so much Thanks, Stephen. Really appreciate the opportunity. As I said, you don't really get to stop and smell the roses too much as a business owner because you're always looking to push on to the next thing. But it's moments and opportunities like this that I really appreciate. Um, I love sort of sharing my story. Um, I love the level of depth that you go into with the questions as well and and trying to find a, a deeper meaning and a deeper purpose. And Look, if one person can learn something from from my journey and my story, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth it. So thanks again for the opportunity. Really enjoyed it. Of course. Is there anything you want to plug? Like, I know you're hiring like jobs or people. Uh, where should people go follow you if they want to? Yeah, look, check us out at thewildlife.com. Um, there's always something happening there, new products dropping where their shoes or um, sales or um, anything that can help your, your fitness and training journey. So go and check that out. If you'd like to connect with me, feel free to hit me up on, on LinkedIn. Um, always looking to connect with, with other people, whether I can be any, any help or point you in the right direction. Always, always open uh, there. And, and yes, we're always hiring. We're looking for talented people at the Wildlife to help us on our on our journey so if you're after a role um check us out it's always something popping up awesome great stuff andy thanks mel so i hope you enjoyed that chat that i just had with andy lee i hope that you maybe learned something from it or that it motivated you or inspired you i know there's a lot of people who are interested in having their own their own brand, whether that be, you know, an e-commerce brand or just their own their own business in general. And I think to hear from a guy who's been doing this for 10 years and the lessons that he's learned both on the business side, but on the personal side as well, in terms of how to manage yourself and how to kind of go through those different chapters of that business from, you know, starting it off to deciding to go full time to scaling it, I think is very, very helpful. And this guy's like a serious operator. So to hear from somebody like that is is pretty cool. If you want more content like this, if you want to a bit more help on figuring out what it is that you want to do, maybe you're changing jobs or you've got like some big life decisions that you're thinking about, go check me out on socials because I have for like 
clips from this podcast um, where I kind of summarize some of the key things that myself or the guests talk about. But then I also have extra content that doesn't show up on the podcast. So that's whether it's written or in video format, whatever. So on LinkedIn, just get me on my personal account. That's Steve Duke. And then on Instagram, you can get me at two roads pod. That's T-W-O roads pod. Apart from that, I will see you next week for episode 21 of the Two Roads Podcast.